of the creatures, these chimeras are going to create. They're already altering the laws on the books of every country to allow this to happen. And you'll have people who are even part fish. That was in a major science magazine. And it could be great for all for fixing under sea or, or at least the, the big oil rigs for welding underwater and so on. And these guys can do it. They have the sciences. They're so far ahead. It's staggering. Back with more after these messages. You're listening to the National Intel Report with your host, John Statmiller. Hi, this is Alan Watt. Coming in for John Statmiller for the next hour. And after an hour's break, then I'll be back on my own show, Cutting Through the Matrix, so you can tune in again then as well. And before I read this little article here, which is to do with eugenics and to show how it's been promoted as the new normal I'll go to the phones, and there's David from South Carolina there. Are you there, David? Yes, Alan. It's good to speak with you again. How are you? Wow, this is great. Um, you're doing a great job here. I'm quite surprised to hear you on here, but, uh, you know, RBN's great. It satisfies both my political and my and your show. Uh, I consider myself eclectic, I guess, but, you know, oh, you're fascinating, all the material you have out there. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, well, in regard to a question, well, first I just want to ask you real quick, um, would you agree with the the idea that we are in uh, what's been called uh, the era of the revelation of the method at this point? Uh, the error, did you say? The era, era of the revelation of the method. Uh, the, they reveal what they're doing to us, but instead of uh, freeing us, it's further enslaving us. Yes. Yeah, a lot of it is. In fact, most, most, uh, it's my opinion, most mainstream uh, patriot stuff tends to fall into that. Um, you see, under from intelligence networks that, that they have at the top, they want the people to be in fear because they understand what fear does to people physically. Your body literally will alter, it, alter its chemistry. It's psychological Your mindset will alter. And so it doesn't matter who is giving you the fear as long as you get it uh, on, a, on, a, on a regular dose. And, and it tends to immobilize a person. Because, see, the average person can, and they've found this in many, many studies over centuries, it's never changed. The average person can cope with maybe two uh, major crises at one time, but no more. After that, you break down. And if you're hit on a daily basis with 20 different things that are going to happen, are happening, and so on, psychologically, you crash. You, you just fall apart. You feel you're overwhelmed. And so, so therefore, um, psychological warfare has worked on you. Yeah, it's psychological terrorism is uh, paralysis. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, That's that exactly right. Because I see so many people, you know, we know all the problems, but what's happening about it you know <laughs> we know right. we know okay we know what we're going to do about it but anyway um i was going uh wanting to call in here in reference to what you mentioned earlier um the elites consider themselves um 
kin kin somehow to um, some higher beings, I suppose, who had mm-hmm. been imprisoned on the earth. I think rebels imprisoned on the earth. Is that what yeah. you said? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the Book of Enoch was fascinating to me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have it in front of me now. I got a new computer and I haven't downloaded it again yet. But mm-hmm. you know, I've always been fascinated with that. Uh, you know, uh, the Elohim, I guess, is what they call where they talked about the in Enoch were the uh, fallen angels. I guess like came yeah, there were all these mankind. different allegories for the same thing. Yeah. They tell it in so many different ways, but it's the same story. Yeah, yeah. And um, also, I I spoke with you when you was on a. Uh, I don't know, it was a show on GCN last Friday, uh, briefly, uh, what uh, your opinion, uh, we didn't have very much time, but um, the idea that the, the elites at least believe that you know Atlantis was real, you know, Tula uh, mm-hmm. and all these other places, uh, uh, and you did confirm that, well, I mean, I've, I've studied this for a long time too, that, you know, all these uh, megaliths around the world, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, they're working towards that, I suppose. You know, in yeah, they are. The, um, in their own writings, they were, they were more prolific in the 1700s, but they, they wrote a lot about recreating that which failed the last time. By in the other way, words, they've tried this before, and you do get references in old hymns that were taken and psalms that were taken out of the holy books. Um, but are still available at universities. And why they were taken out, no one's explained, but there's one in particular, and I have it here, yeah. where uh, the the prophets were, that used to always lambast the people for falling away from their deity, were lambasting the elite, their own elite, for having orgies deep underground where where, where they would have sex with with one another everyone else's wife or husband or even men to men, female to female are with children and that was in uh, the, the Old Testament for a long time and then it was removed for some reason Really? So, but it, what's odd about it is you find the same accusations to do with the Albigensians and the Cathars which are the same groups that, that masonry always put up as being persecuted yeah, uh, that was the last yeah. crusade was done against them but they were actually um, gone against because of this particular orgy thing which they had in common and um, it's interesting that even in the Matrix movie in the last one uh, they're underground in a cavern and do all the strange dancing with each other and it kind of leaves you with that impression that something's going to happen but they don't do it so so this kind of thing down through the ages fits in with what also they've given out in that they can breed with one another um, and they don't really mind who is the father to an extent as long as they're all from the same group there's a saying that they have too they're the, they the son of their father's brother that's got three levels of meaning uh, but um, yeah, it also means they're interchangeable at the top Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was wondering to uh, okay well like I said considering your vast knowledge of this um, what, yeah, okay, with debauchery then basically be probably, it would obviously be the, probably the central reason that this ancient civilization fell in upon itself, or is there any other theories? Uh, what about they claimed in uh, and, and some of these old Psalms was that uh, uh, they were, see, the old, the old allegory of the Tower of Babel was, was for unification of the world. And it said, they say in there too, that all the people understood one another. 
I mean, communication was rampant. They all understood. Yeah. And it was, the, it was just when they were, they were crowning their achievement of unification uh, that something stepped in and scattered them. And then when the people broke out of the spell they were under, the people hunted them down in the deserts and in caves and killed them wherever they found them because of what they'd done to the people. And that was taken out the, the old books. Wow. But it was in them for a long enough time. Yeah. Wow. Is there any good source that you, I mean, I have the sources here and it's coming out in the next book, in fact. Oh, yeah. That's great. That's wonderful. Well, uh, I really appreciate all your uh, work and efforts and God bless you. Uh, thanks for calling. Thank you, Al. And yeah, we, we certainly do live in strange times when some things are being repeated all over again. And no wonder that they're going to such lengths to make sure they don't rush it. They must get every phase incrementally introduced and accepted before they move to the next phase. That's why they take their time. And it's interesting that even the Stones had that uh, song, Time is on my side, and the tribute to the devil. Interesting, isn't it? And here's a, an article that falls right in with this. To do with eugenics. And it's from theguardian.co.uk. Friday, July 25th. Doctors' advice to Britons. See, I don't even see what doctors say what anymore. Just doctors. It's like experts. And we just automatically obey. Doctors' advice to Britons have fewer children and help save the planet. And then there were rising population and all problems. British couples should consider having no more than two children to help reduce the environmental impact of the rising global population, doctors have said. You see? Does that mean all doctors were asked to get coming on this? You see how it's presented? An editorial in the British Medical Journal today called on general practitioners to encourage the view that bigger families are as environmentally dubious as owning a patio heater or driving a gas guzzler. So human beings now have been reduced to this comparing to a gas guzzler. It says better to have children in Ethiopia than the UK. Writing in the journal, John Gillibod, professor of family planning, family planning association, that's abortion folks, you see, family planning. Sounds nice, but it's actually abortion. At University College London, and Pip Hayes, a GP based in Exeter, urged doctors to break a deafening silence over the use of family planning to curb the rise in population, which has been viewed by many, by many in the community as a taboo subject. Managing the impact of a soaring human population will be one of the most politically fraught issue governments have had to grapple with in coming decades. This all started, remember, after Prince Philip, you know, the genius Prince Philip, the man who's done so much for humanity when he's not sozzled. This is after he said there's just too many people. It's not, it's not a problem of not being enough food. There's just too many people, he says. This was to kick off. And that's what they do. They get someone to kick off the topic, to raise it to consciousness, so we all prattle about it. Although the rate of population growth has slowed since the 80s, the UN, he's a UN again, estimates the world population has increased by about 76 million a year this century. Well, if that's to create the case across all the rest of the world outside of Europe, why do we have to bring it down even more? And this is a pack of lies because, you see, I have the official books of population from the censuses going back from the early 1900s. I've got them here. I even have the arguments, the same arguments were putting forth in 1920 when they stated in Britain they hadn't killed enough off in the war, so they would have to start, step up abortions. This is from the top. So they were lying then too, you see. 
And if the third world is, is, has been having a booming increase in population growth, why would we have to reduce it here? But we're not supposed to use logic, are we? Oh, no. Don't reason. We're not capable of reason. Previous efforts to limit population growth in India in the 70s and in China with its one-child policy have made have made any attempt to raise the issue in Britain highly controversial. And I said years ago, the United Nations, it was published in the newspapers, the United Nations had stated that China was the model country for the world, the model state for us all to follow. That means all of its policies. Back with more after this break. Like machines, like milking machines. 
that they want to bring that here too. But see, according to the elite, we're all animals. And we're all capable of modification under the Skinnerian rules. And they believe that whatever they can do in China, they can make us do too. And guess, guess what? They can. That's the scary part. They can. It says, Gilly Bod argues that bringing the fertility rate down to 1.7 would lead to a halving of the population within six generations. She would now explain to UK couples who plan a family that stopping at two children, or at least having one less than the first intended, is the simplest and biggest contribution anyone can make to leaving a habitable planet for our grandchildren. The editorial asks, we must not put pressure on people, but for providing information on the population and environment, an appropriate contraception for everyone, appropriate contraception for everyone, eh? doctors should help to bring family size into the arena of environmental ethics, analogous to avoiding patio heaters and high carbon cars. The authors emphasize that couples should never be coerced into having fewer children than they wish, but environment should become part of a couple's decision-making. The doctors, both of whom are linked to the Optimum Population Trust, here they are, like, like they have no hidden agenda here, eh? They're just speaking of citizens, are they? And they belong to the Optimum Population Trust, well-funded, heavy pockets. A think tank that researches the impacts of a rising population claim that every new birth in the UK produces 160 times more greenhouse gas emissions than one in Ethiopia. Ho, ho, ho. We're not criticizing those people in Britain who had large families in the past because a lot of people had no inkling about the sustainability implications, Gillibald told The Guardian. The decision that needs to be made is one that balances rights. It's people's right to have the size of a family to choose, but surely that should be balanced against the rights of future generations. And there is your argument right there, you see. They give you this or that. You see, this or that. And the people at the bottom will start arguing this side or that side because they can't think for themselves. They can't reason for themselves. So the old Charles Galton Darwin stuff is well on its way. And people haven't a clue that even their thoughts and their opinions and even their decisions are programmed into them. It's quite fascinating, isn't it? Quite fascinating indeed. And this, this goes on. This goes on and on. But yeah, China is a model state for the world where we can all get little holes through screens and be masturbated, and that's to be the good substitute, you see, for sustainability. And then they'll bring in the next phases, start killing off the females in the womb. And this had to happen because, as Aldo Huxley talked, it's up there on, I think, Google sites, one of the Google sites, he gives a talk where he says that the only, the only thing standing in the way of this whole agenda, including what I'm talking about right now, at that time, was the Catholic Church. It was the only thing stopping what he saw as the emerging of communism, capitalism, and the whole eugenics agenda. And the Catholic Church is completely gone now, taken over. And here we are, we're full in the fight. Back after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
tuned in to the National Intel Report, the real talk radio show. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, standing in for John Stadler. And trying to show you how your thoughts are formed, how your topics that you converse about with your friends are, are given to you, and how you even pick sides. You're given this or that. Just like politics, you want this side, that side. You choose one or the other. It doesn't matter which one you choose as long as you get into the debate. Reinforce your indoctrination by debating it. That reinforces it in your mind, and it fixes itself there. And then the two sides merge along the great highway, and you're all on board along the same track, as they say. They love everybody being on track. And that's how ideas and opinions are given to us. But when did this eugenics part come into full force, really, and show its ugly head. It did it during the French Revolution. The French Revolution followed on the heels of the American Revolution, and in fact, the whole thing was set up like a chessboard because the King of France was funding the U.S. through Benjamin Franklin, who was the basically the, the envoy to France, and he was getting all the loans that were given to him and sending it back to the Americas. And that helped create such an amazing taxation problem. And then coupled with the con game of the Pacific bubble, an investment scam that was set up by a Templar that crashed the economy of France, that brought on basically the reasons for the overthrow of the king and brought the revolution on. And of course, those behind it helped lead that revolution. They, 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 they understood what was really happening. The, the, the mob never understands what it's really all about. And they don't have to. Only, it's so important they think they believe it. And they think they know why it's happening. But in France, they weren't just guillotining nobility. They were also bringing a planned France into, into existence where they, were, they, they decided there was just too many peasants farming the land. And yet all the different areas or provinces of France broken up on maps. And they were collecting people off the land, putting them on ships and rivers. And at the coast, they put them on, uh, elsewhere. And they'd sink them and drown them. They were doing population reduction as part of the system because what's happening today is part of the same people who led these revolutions down through the ages, always with the same agenda, always stating that they must elevate nature and bring down mankind in the process. Quite amazing when you realize it's all connected, all connected and it got so bad towards the end that Thomas Paine, who was a professional revolutionary, he was trained and brought up by families of revolutionaries. In fact, they would go all the way back to the founding of the Templars, Hugh de Pian, which means Hugh the Pagan. They were given charters by the Pope. Kind of odd how the Pope would give them a charter to Hugh the Pagan. And they changed their name and anglicized it to, to Pian, then Paine. Professional revolutions, but we've got too much for him even in France, and he was locked up when he, when he says, you're killing too many people. And the U.S. had to send money and envoys to get him out of prison back over to the U.S. They always say, if you don't know your history, you're doomed. It isn't just a matter of repeating it. You're actually doomed because you don't see the con games that are going to be pulled on you, which are always repetitive. Plato said, that which has worked successfully when a population in the past, be it religious, so 
social or whatever, if you know the formula, you can reintroduce it at any time in the future. Just follow the formula and it, it will work again. In ancient times in Greece, because the Grecian islands were fixed, they were small, they could only sustain a certain population. So they had wars planned between the different little princes and kings to decide how many they could afford to lose each, how they'd profit off it in the meantime, keep the populations down. And they also introduced a form of giving your child to the, to the spirits of the mountains, the gods, the first child that kept the population down. And then, in no time at all, when Christianity swept through it, the opposite was true. And so those who were found trying to kill their firstborn would be stoned to death because it was illegal and wrong to kill and today we're, we're, we're back to ancient Greece again. Because most abortions happen to be the first. It would be the firstborn child. Is that a coincidence? Huh? Is that a coincidence? Think about it. And yeah, in this system, it's not easy to bring up a child on your own. It's not meant to be easy. This is a, not a natural system we're living in. There's nothing natural about it. It's a designed system where everyone is reduced to an economic function. It has no place for hum humaneness in it. It always has a show of humaneness, which are generally big charities and big cons. But it really doesn't like the poor. It doesn't like them. They always keep the poor around you to remind you of where you might fall to. That's why they keep them on the streets. That's why they're there. That's why it's really there. Scientifically, that's why they're there. To scare the hell out of you. So you don't end up there, do you? So you'll do anything to earn a wage. This is not a humane system. Science has taken over with agencies, governmental agencies, all the functions that families used to have. At one time, families helped out their own members who lost their jobs or they were sick or whatever. They came along a while back with agencies, oh, we're here to help you. And you hand over your rights. And then through massive propaganda, as Jack C. Lowell said, all TV programming is propaganda and all your dramas that you watch and get lost in. Because we have the little humane stories that you follow and you take all these messages. It's all propaganda because these services end up being agencies which end up being law enforcement agencies over you. And one day, they're going to, they've already done it with your DNA. They have your DNA. They've got you categorized according to your value. They've had you categorized according to all the offspring you might have and any kind of problems that they might have as well. Down through the generations. They've got you slated on books you won't see yet for possible vasectomies. Sterilization. There's many ways to sterilize a population. One of them is your food. Years ago, I, I, I knew when the soya bean was altered, heavily altered, and it was promoted from the top as a great substitute for, for meat and protein. I said, there's a con going on here. And they went to incredible lengths to try and make it look like meat and taste like meat. George Orwell even put it in his his book that he wrote in 1940, or published in 48, where he says, yeah, it looks like meat, tastes like meat, but there's no meatness at all. 
made, the money was made in the temple itself. Now I've got uh, Daniel from Houston on the line. Are you there, Daniel? Yes, uh, is this Mr. Watts? Is that your name? It is, yeah. Yeah, uh, great to speak with you. I've heard you before. I think it was maybe on a weekend show. I know you're filling in today. Um, such a diverse subject range. Uh, it's really great to hear you, especially the fact that you mentioned Plato and classical sources. So uh, I think it's great that you're on RBN. You can talk about this and try to get people's minds to look at history and expand a little bit. Uh, of course, since you mentioned Plato, I would say for others to read the politics of Aristotle and the Michael McKeon ethics of Aristotle to try to give an, al an alternative version of the family, especially the politics, uh, because I know exactly what you were talking about in the Republic, and uh, I agree with you on that. Yeah. Um, the other issue, too, I, I saw an thing that you mentioned about the Catholic Church as in, in some way being the the bulwark, or at least the barrier, to stop the, the whole thing to start with eugenics and how it's kind of broken down. And uh, it's very interesting. There's it's called the Declaration of the Rights of the Family that the Vatican put out in 1983 or 82, and that patterns on to the Declaration of Human Rights that was originally drafted up by Jacques Maritain uh, back in the 50s, and it all stems from everything that happened out of Nuremberg and World War II and the, the notion of the, atro the atrocity of the Holocaust and what, you know, humanity can do to itself and, you know, this big charter. Of course, I know you know all this stuff about the League of Nations and all this other stuff. And, but I think, you know, these people were, were very deluded on that point. And, and then I'm, I'm a Catholic. I, I, I love being a Catholic. But this, this right to the family, if you read them, they're very good. But the fact is, you know, and of course, the UN signed off on it. It's good. You know, the Vatican has its little vote, but no one will follow those things. Yep. You know, you're, you're talking about these, you know, two fan, two children and a family stuff. No one will follow any of these things. They're just, they're, they're just words. <laughs> and uh, you know, the governments give lip service. Yeah. Nobody's going to go along with it. And uh, one last thing I wanted to say, because I could go on forever with you, but uh, I won't take your time up. This is a quotation from uh, Thomas Aquinas from his book on the uh, the government of rulers, which is one of his main political philosophy. Only the first chapter is a credit to him. The other other chapters are accredited either to his disciple or somebody else. But this is a good quotation. It says, If the citizens themselves devote their life to matters of trade, the way will be open to many vices. Since the foremost tendency of tradesmen is to make money, Greed is awakened in the hearts of the citizens through the pursuit of trade. The result is that everything in the city will become venal. Good faith will be destroyed and the way open to all kinds of trickery. Each one will work only for his own profit, despising the public good. The cultivation of virtue will fail since honor, virtue's reward, will be bestowed upon the rich. Thus, in such a city, civic life will necessarily be corrupted. And that's America. Yeah, that's it. I remember that that that, that quote. Yeah, that's America. <laughs> that is America. It's, the, the, again, it's not by accident. Uh, uh, it's also understood. It doesn't just uh, evolve this way. Um, we had, we heard Russell and others writing about this, how they would create an egocentric society, everyone out for themselves. That would help split everyone else 
everyone up, divide them, and once that was completed, then the government would be, when you have no, see, when you're not in charge of yourself and you have no one around you, the government can come right to you and demand things from you as, as an individual, and there's no one to stand up for you. That was where they were headed, but they said they'd have to make an egocentric, egocentric, narcissistic, hedonistic society to do so, and they've done that through the 60s and 70s and 80s. Yes, and uh, and because of all the, whether it be socialism or communism or something, I've heard your listeners to look up the principle of subsidiarity, mm-hmm. as far as as far as government goes, and uh, also maybe look at some of the encyclicals of Leo the Thirteenth, like Rerum Novarum, and some of the others, where you can yeah. see that this war was actually being raged, and all of yeah. a sudden it just stopped. Yes, just, that's right. It, it was it was it was being raged and and written about and. Uh, and again, the average person is oblivious to this, which makes them sit in ducks for what's coming down the pike. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Take care. Thanks for calling. Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard for most folk to get a grasp, especially when they've been taught that anything that's old, like old news, is irrelevant. What a beautiful way to con the people. If you don't, even Rockefeller says in all his major speeches that you've got to know your history. And these guys do. They study their history because they know what works and what doesn't, and they can repeat it. They bring in big top philosophers and historians so they can find ways to re-bring something in from the past, the ancient past that worked before for them. Great techniques. But we are sitting ducks because we're kept into the now. Just think of it now and nothing else. Back with more after this break. John Stadmiller, and we're coming up to the end of the hour. Remember, I'm on after a break for one hour and cutting through the matrix on the same station, on RBN. And I got a call from someone, or a message from someone asking what form of payment can you accept for donations? What's the best way? Well, within the U.S. and Canada, personal checks are fine. You can also send an international postal order which is an orange one, not, not the green one, international. Or you can pay through PayPal or Western Union. But the details are on my site, and that is cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You punch it up, and you'll see how you can help keep me going, because that's what does keep me going. This really is brought to you by you. I don't do this because I could rake in the big bucks. I certainly could rake in the big bucks if I wanted to in other, other areas. But we're in a war. There's no other game in town. This is a war for everything. It's a war for sentience. It's a war to retain your ability to think as an individual, to even have a mind of your own. Those in the future will not have that ability. The elite have already planned ways, which they've published, the brain chips and all. They have lots of documentation on it from their world meetings. But talk about that next week, in fact, going through their talks that they've had ongoing every year since 2001 on that very topic. So, yeah, you can keep me going because there's children to come who have as much right to be sentient and have 
go through the joys of life or the ills, the ups and downs that makes you fully human. You can't be mature and have wisdom without going to all extremes. That's the wonder and the beauty and sometimes the misery of being human. But it's good enough for me. It's good enough for me. Huxley says, well, you know, most people are unhappy. What's wrong with drugging them? Or putting wires in their brains to make them behave better. He thought there was nothing wrong in that. It's, it's actually demonic. It's a demonic statement. What's wrong with that? Someone who can't see what's wrong with that. And he, he thought doing it to the whole world would bring a world peace, but they leaked themselves. He said the same thing as all the rest of them, Galton, Darwin, and so on. They wouldn't change themselves. They'd have to retain the survival instincts since they would be steering the ship of planet Earth. But for the rest of us, yeah, you don't need your brain. You don't need to sit and think or use that imagination and go off into realms of unexplored territory. That's what the mind is for. Your, the elite will do it all for you. What gall, what, what arrogance, what kind of gods do they think they are? Because they believe they are gods. And we sit back and we take this stuff in and we comply and comply and comply. And what I'm trying to do is to stir something within people that have forgotten about very quickly. Something called indignation. Righteous indignation. Something your forefathers had, your predecessors had, and they fought hard to get rights. But this generation are giving up. As, as you blow your nose in a, in a paper handkerchief and throw it away. And once it's thrown away, you've had it. You didn't know what you had. You have nothing left. So easy, eh? You've given up. So you can play and be children. For myself and Hamish up in Ontario, Canada, until the next hour, it's good night to me, your God or your gods go with you.